If you hear lots of noises like crinkling paper or snapping, we have cats. Hello and welcome to another episode of ATA with Danny and Ray, also known as All Things Animated. I'm Rachel. And today I am so excited because you're going to be hearing the episode where Jesse, Gabby, and I discuss all the episodes that made up the movie Scooby-Doo Frank and Creepy. So there are four of them. We'll be jumping into A Night of Fright is No Delight, Ghost of Redbeard or Go Away Ship, Mamba Wamba and the Voodoo Hoodoo, and The Creepy Case of Old Iron Face. Now, I just need to give you guys a bit of a disclaimer. We had some technical issues, so there was quite a bit of reverb at times in this episode, unfortunately. I tried editing out as much as I can, and hopefully it's tolerable, but um, there is going to be some of that, just so you know. But it does get better as time goes on. Kind of waxes and wanes, if you will. So, without further ado, here is our review of the four episodes that make up Scooby-Doo frank and creepy all right jesse and gabby we are diving into the background episodes for frank and creepy scooby-doo where are you in the scooby-doo show my question for you guys is did you grow up watching the original scooby-doo i did gabby did you trying to think i think i grew up watching a lot of the offshoots but not much of like the original one because i remember watching like a pup named scooby-doo and stuff like that but i never mm, watched yeah. the original one i never watched that till recently really and, and now i watch it with um so the audience doesn't know but i have like a, a a toddler son and he calls it he can't say scooby-doo he calls it doo-doo oh. and so <laughs> he'll walk up to me and be like doo-doo doo-doo and so <laughs> oh that's adorable like, we were watching the episodes for today, for today's recording, and he was like, doo-doo? I'm like, yeah, buddy, we'll watch doo-doo. <laughs> so, so cute. So you didn't grow up with the original, but you grew up with, like, pup named Scooby-Doo and stuff. Yeah. That, that's cool. That's interesting. I had a healthy mix of um, a lot of Scooby-Doo, because uh, at some point we had the Hanna-Barbera boomerang channel on TV. When I was younger, so I got to catch like the, or catch the Flintstones, uh, the Jetsons, uh, Yogi Bear, obviously, uh, Scooby Doo. Uh, What's new? Scooby Doo was my jam. Pop yes. new Scooby Doo is one that I watched at my grandma's house <laughs> pretty often. Um, but yeah, I had a really healthy mixture of the whole thing. Yeah, same for me. It, I think I grew up watching Scooby Doo. Where are you? Throwbacks on tv somewhere i literally i don't even know what channel that was because we only had like three and i do not know which would show scooby-doo and then later on in like middle school high school what's new scooby-doo was like the best thing ever and those are my favorites growing up anyway would you guys recommend these uh, i guess we'll make it specifically these episodes would you recommend the stuff we watch today to someone Yes. Or maybe I, Absolutely. maybe I should say the show at large. I don't know. Well, the show at large I'd recommend to anybody because I think there's a lot that anyone can like in it. Because mm-hmm. while it is a formula they stick to, I don't know, there's a lot of silliness and jokes and there's a lot of changing styles between writers and like studios and stuff that I think 
anybody can find something they like about it. Mm-hmm. Just pick a version of Scooby Doo and and run with it. And run with it, yeah. That's true. There's so even like just going between the different variations of Scooby Doo over the years, you could literally pick the most different shows. And even just with Scooby Doo, where are you? There's a lot of variety. Oh yeah, the original. I feel like I would recommend the original first. And even if someone's not into older television, it's just so silly and kooky and, and quirky. I feel like it appeals to pretty much anybody because it's it's not trying to be a serious mystery show or something. It's it's a cartoon with a laugh track and silly characters. And I don't know. It's just it's easy watching. You can put it on the background and just let it go. <laughs> I literally did that today. I finished watching the episodes I was supposed to watch, and then I just conked out on the couch to Scooby-Doo. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. That's what it's here for. Couple fast facts about the original Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? It started in September of 1969. It aired for two seasons till October of 1970. And then there was kind of this weird phase where it was like Scooby-Doo All-Stars and the Scooby-Doo shit. <laughs> Scooby-Doo show were aired. And then um, for those of you that don't know, we tried recording this episode already. And Jesse pointed out that they took that, the Scooby-Doo show, and repackaged it as the third season of Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Yes, they so. did. When you go out and purchase it, um, like the classic Scooby-Doo series, it's seasons one, two, and three. It's Where Are You and the Scooby-Doo show, which... I didn't know until I was watching through them because I have the DVDs myself. I was like, oh, this intro is not what I remember growing up with. Do you guys like the different the Scooby-Doo show theme song? Or does it does it bother you because it's so different from the original? It's okay. It's very much a product of its time. Yeah, it's 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 a little weird. It misses the spookiness, I think. That is true. The spookiness level is definitely not there with that one. That's for sure. Also on Wikipedia, this is my last fact. I'm keeping it brief today. <laughs> the, I did not realize this, and this is according to Wikipedia, so who knows? <laughs> but it said that Scooby-Doo Where Are You was the result of CBS and Hanna-Barbera's plan to create a non-violent Saturday morning program that would appease the parent watch groups that had protested superhero-based programs in the mid-1960s. That's really fascinating and isn't it the reason i find it fascinating is because i um i once studied the culture around comic books from their inception to kind of current and i wrote a research paper on that for college and when comic books first started becoming a thing like superheroes um they had all these different genres there were superheroes there was like noir detectives there was like jungle stuff i think it was called jungle girl is definitely is like the the type of genre it was, but they were seen as very violent um, and very inappropriate for kids by a lot of the more I would say like I don't want to say like religious, but a lot of it was religious organizations who were in protest to it. And That's so interesting. There was a whole standard that was applied to comic books, what you could and couldn't do hmm. um, because of that, and then eventually. Uh, Stan Lee, who founded Marvel, he started just doing whatever he wanted in protest of it. And he's one of the most, well, his company's one of the most prolific comic book companies, companies in the, in the, well, in the world. 
So I'm not surprised that in the 60s they were like, we need something that's not superheroes on TV because everyone was up in arms about superheroes because it seemed to associate inherently with violence. So that's very interesting that that extended to television too. I just, I mean, I realize that there's action in, I mean, I'm obviously, we we are not products of the 1960s or 70s, but that's so interesting because I don't think of violence when I think of superheroes. I think of cheesy action in tight suits, you know. Especially in the 60s. Yeah, in the 60s, like the most violent that it would be would be like really bad fight scenes that you can definitely tell are fake and like just really corny costumes. Like that's that's the gist of them. Yeah, and even if it wasn't animated, because I don't know how, I don't know exactly what shows were on in the 60s for superheroes but even if they were animated like the animations were usually corny and cheesy and the dialogue was usually like witty or full of puns Mm -hmm. like there really wasn't an overabundance of blood gore and violence because they couldn't didn't have the budget for that kind of animation (laughs) (laughs) it makes me wonder if it just goes to show you like how expectations have risen when it comes to quality in film and even the how much more intense stuff has become because we are so um, numb to action and to to violence and stuff now, you know? Like, we watch the stuff from then and we're like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it does not compare to, like, compare Adam West Batman to The Dark Knight. It's not the same. (laughs) And so I just thought that was super interesting because... And it makes sense because if you notice, anytime Scooby-Doo has a chance to actually like tackle and get a bad guy, it never happens. It never works out. It's usually an accident or a trap. Like there's, it's always a very non-violent way to get the bad guy. Speaking of Scooby-Doo, let's dive on in. Yeah, let's do it. Let's give like a brief um, summary of like what happens in each episode. We'll talk about like favorite moments, um, things and things that just stuck out to us, pros and cons, and then we'll rate them. Our enjoyment level out of five Scooby Snacks and spookiness level out of five Cobwebs. So our first episode that we watched that was featured in Frank and Creepy was A Night of Fright is No Delight. What a title. Would either of you want to give a summary of what happened? Uh, I can. So in this story, Scooby is among a few family members that have been called to this island of this um i think he was a colonel yeah he was colonel he was sanders colonel. yeah because you made me think of the the chicken guy yeah <laughs> the chicken so he's guy. passed away and he's left an inheritance to his family members and to scooby who saved his life the caveat is they have to stay on this creepy in this creepy manner on this creepy island all night in order to be able to claim it. If any of them leave, their share goes to whoever's left. So it's kind of like a last person or people standing get to inherit the, the treasure, the riches. And that's that's the basic premise of what brings the, the gang to the island in the first place. I would just like to say, before we jump into favorites, I love how, and we mentioned this in the last time, but just how this is a very similar setup to Franken-Creepy, where one of the members of the gang receives this inheritance and they have to come to this big spooky manor or mansion to come and claim it. However, one is the descendant of a crazy mad scientist and the other is a dog-made hero to Colonel Sanders' supposedly 
the doppelganger to the KFC founder, I guess. <laughs> That's I what know. he looks like and <laughs> sounds really like. Does. And he's named Colonel Sanders, so There's no way he's not, right? Like <laughs> But it was was did we determine if it was before or after KFC was a thing? Um, was it after? Oh my phone's dead. In 1952, Sanders franchised his secret recipe, Kentucky Fried Chicken. Oh, so... So it could have been a reference. It probably was a reference then. Probably. It had to be. It had to be. It was... It's so... What's funny is, if it's a reference, there's no chicken in sight. (laughs) (laughs) Like, why are they like, you know who we should throw? You know who we should have die and give an inheritance to Scooby-Doo? Colonel Sanders. (laughs) it's ridiculous i love it so what else stuck out to you guys just how old everyone was that was inheriting like there was not a young person in sight except for the scooby ang and like they are all hoping to get this inheritance whenever half of them do not look like they are going to have it for very long i never even thought of that yeah yeah, they're, they're going through all this trouble, and I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I think I would still go if I was old, but I had a chance to inherit some money. <laughs> like, it's money. <laughs> Who's going to say no to a chance for that? But I think the youngest in that group outside of the Scooby gang is probably Cousin Slicker, because his mm-hmm. hair is still dark. Yeah. But that's all I've got to go on for that. The names, though? Sweet Cousin, Cousin Maldehyde. Yes, that's my, my favorite, favorite. in a fictional story ever. Who was like, you know what we should name our daughter? Maldehyde. <laughs> I just... After formaldehyde. <laughs> you know the thing they put dead animals in to preserve them. Well, I mean, pretty sure the color she was wearing on her dress was close to the color formaldehyde, so... I think so, yeah. Oof. Gross. That poor child. <laughs> I do have to say, this might be the spookiest ambiance out of all the episodes yeah i'd say it comes number one um whenever we're watching this and whenever we discussed this a little bit beforehand uh, i named this as my favorite of the five or the the couple that we're watching not watching discussing (laughs) i named this one my favorite because i think the atmosphere is amazing as funny as it is as scooby-doo always is funny because it just that's what scooby-doo is um the the atmosphere and the setting, oh, it's it's perfect. It's what Scooby-Doo should be. A really spooky, creepy setting with all the jokes thrown in. That's like, like boiled it down to its basic elements there. Um, and the it's monsters, the, the villains in this story are some of the most well-designed, mm-hmm. in my opinion. The ghosts in that story are terrifying. They're just massive black blobs with like glowing green eyes and it doesn't look terrifying from afar but then they do close-ups they do like two or three close-ups in the in the episode of these these monsters and they're creepy and they're creepy the the one animation um section that they reuse a couple times and they should because they earned it with that one is the green the green phantoms one of them approaches the viewer like head on mm-hmm. and it's like shaking and its mouth is opening and closing and it's oh it's it's a truly creepy piece of animation like no other there's not many more scooby-doo monsters that can actually kind of send chills down your spine if you hear lots of noises like crinkling paper or snapping we have cats 
<laughs> and they like to crinkle paper. Yes, they yeah. do. They do like to crinkle paper. I don't know where your guys is like seriously just jump in and say random stuff you enjoyed or thought was weird or whatever. It's a dumb thing I noticed, but it's just it cracks me up. I love the nightgowns. <laughs> like we jump to the shot of Scooby and Shaggy and they're both in like nightgowns, straight up like the hats and everything. And it, Scooby has slippers. I I love it. I want a set. Something that I've noticed with a lot of Scooby-Doo media is that when they when they pair the the team off and the guys and girls, which they often do, you've got Shaggy and Scooby and Fred together, maybe sleeping in one of the rooms that of the place that they're staying in. More often than not, Scooby and Shaggy get the bed, mm-hmm. and Fred just sleeps wherever. I never noticed that. Yeah, we were watching WrestleMania, the um, the Scooby Doo WrestleMania mystery, because I have. Oh, that I've DVD. never seen that one. Oh, it's hilarious. But they're staying in this cabin thing on the on the grounds of the place that they're investigating. And there's two beds and a couch. And Fred sleeps on the couch. Not the dog. Fred. The the leader of the gang. I thought that was so funny. Because I'm pretty sure... I'm going to be misremembering this. But I know that Shaggy and Scooby are both sleeping in beds in mm-hmm. the manor in What a Night for a Fright. I don't remember if Fred was sleeping in a bed or if he was sleeping on something else. But They it don't show us me. what Fred was sleeping on. No, they don't do that. No, they don't. They show the Shaggy and Scooby in a bed, but I do not recall like seeing Fred sleeping on anything at all. He's just up. He sleeps on Maybe the floor, on the rug. Fred has insomnia. Maybe. Maybe he doesn't sleep. Yeah, he could have insomnia. Poor guy. <laughs> well, poor guy's definitely got ADHD with a hyperfixational trap, so he probably has insomnia. <laughs> oh man. Oh, and Shaggy's sandwich, he was going to put fish food in his sandwich. Yeah. He was going to put, like... Fish food. If that fish didn't growl at him, he probably would have dumped the entire <laughs> container onto his sandwich. Also, the sentence, I'm... if the fish hadn't growled at him, <laughs> is a really funny sentence. For sure. Guys, I love I'm when there concerned. are other that are characterized in Scooby-Doo stories. Mm-hmm. Um, you actually see a lot more in the Scooby-Doo show and the um, unofficial season three, I guess, official unofficial, yes. mm-hmm. is that there'll be more little animals that, like, appear. And I don't know, there's something endearing about Scooby making animal friends or animal enemies, <laughs> like like in the Chom and Jerry style. <laughs> I don't know, it's hilarious. I love it. Because Scooby's the only animal that's really personified normally. Mm-hmm. So as soon as there's another animal that fits that same bill, I mean, of course, they draw attention to it. It's a character in its own right. Especially when it's a frog. There's something about frogs, man. They always give them much more personality than anything else. Mm. It's because it's a frog. Frogs already have big personalities. They do. I, I'm not trying to distract, but did y'all ever grow up watching The Swan Princess? Uh, yes. Yes. All I can think of is the frog from there and how he wants to be a prince. He's like, Odette, kiss oh, me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I and I'm like, yes, the, frogs. That movie. that movie's so good. Underrated. We should. Oh, absolutely. If it was Fox, it's probably on Disney Plus now. Ooh. It's not a Fox. It's Nest Family Entertainment. I think it it's was what? Nest Entertainment or Nest Family Entertainment. Interesting. Oh, yeah, they it's didn't the do same... too much, did they? They did a whole Bible series for kids. Oh. Um, you can. It's on YouTube. Yeah, and you if you watch the ones on YouTube, just look up like a random like Bible story 
any of them. And if you see one that looks like animation from Swamp Princess, it's them. Oh, wild. Okay. Yeah, it's crazy. Like you, Anyway, Scooby-Doo, <laughs> <laughs> frogs, pets. It's an animation okay. prod- podcast. It's fine. What other things stuck out to you guys from this episode? The only other thing I really want to just bring attention to for the story is the flying washing machine. <laughs> yes. So for those who haven't seen it yet or are like waiting to watch it or whatever, um, the spoilers ahead, I guess. But yeah, the trap the spoilers are a thing. Yeah. Yeah. The trap that they set involves a a, a fan. Uh-huh. A, a w- old washing machine and a um an ironing an board. An ironing board. And they were essentially trying to blow the ghosts to the ironing board so they would roll into the washing machine and get stuck there. Of course, the traps never go to plan. They hardly ever go to plan now that I think about it. Yeah. Um, but the the trap is triggered by Scooby instead in a, you know, the, the hijinks that always ensue with him. And the ironing board, fan, and washing machine all get, like, combined. And Scooby and Shaggy end up flying it uncontrollably out of the room. And, like, around the hall and then back into the room. Down into the cave, out of the cave. Yeah. Being chased Down by the ghost thing. and then eventually chasing the ghost. And then they finally get to trap them in the washing machine at the end. But, like... Physics don't apply in Scooby-Doo anyway, but that flying washing machine is a sight to behold. Oh, yeah. That was the thought that kept coming to my brain in this episode is, if this was real life, the gang would have died forever ago. Yes. <laughs> they- <laughs> oh, my goodness. If this was real life, they would have died probably after the first story. Oh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> or the very least have been traumatized enough to need to go to therapy instead of the- to the next mystery. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My my brain's jumping, but I have to share this Velma quote. Like, Velma, especially in this early series, is such a beast. Like, she's such a snarky lady, and I love it. She's a oh, savage. Yeah. <laughs> she, when they're in the cave and Shaggy's freaking out, Velma says to him, and I quote, You're going to be brave no matter how chicken you are. <laughs> they gave Velma some of the best dialogue Honestly. in Scooby-Doo history. She had the best one-liners in the original show, and, like, I love it. The one with Dracula's castle, where he's like, turn back now, or abandon all hope, or whatever, and she just goes, you stop that! Like a scolding (laughs) mother. Just... (laughs) Uh, She's... I don't even know. She's my favorite. Like, I mean, Daphne's fun, but she doesn't have a whole lot of personality. I'll put it that way. Well... With Velma, they could have made her a straight-up nerd. Do you know what I mean? Like, she could have a nasally voice. She could have had an inhaler or something. She could have been only book smart. And, like, all of her jokes would have been, like, smart jokes that no one would laugh at. And that would have been the joke. But no, she's funny. Yes. Like, properly funny. And she's snarky. And as much as she, like, knows a lot of stuff, she's not necessarily a know-it-all. No, Because she just shares information with people. It's never, like, a... She never does the nervous rambling that you would expect with her character archetype. Yeah. she's She kind of goes against the stereotype, which is funny which because is interesting. she her own stereotype. <laughs> she is the basis for the later stereotype, which would be the very nerdy Velma. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Like, she's such I a would... different Velma. 
I would say that later Velmas end up being much nerdier than the original, which is really funny to me. Yeah. Um, especially yeah. in What's New Scooby-Doo. Like, she's not, like, a full-on yes. nerd, but she is, or she is much Isn't more... she? <laughs> yeah, she's, she's just much more of a nerd. I don't want to say she's much more lame, because I love her in that scene. Oh, no, she's too. great. Yeah. But she really did kind of, like, they really lent more into her, her smarts than into her snark, which is the reverse of, like, Mystery Incorporated. Where they lent way more into her snark. <laughs> yes. Be cool. Okay. I, I can't keep rambling about all forms of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> I know. Um, I, I love it. This time. There's, just, love there's it. so many forms. Well, and like they make fun of something that happens in this episode when Shaggy and Scooby get scared. They literally jump on Velma and expect her <laughs> to carry them. And that's yeah. something they poke fun of all the time in that one. Yeah, it's like, like Velma is... Well, I mean, she is carrying the show on her back a little bit. Literally. <laughs> or carrying the gang, I should say. She seems She's the mystery solver. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I have one last note. The dog-shaped coffin. <laughs> I looked up what dog coffins look like. No. Because they are a thing. Yes. And they look, you guessed it, like a person's coffin, but smaller. Oh. So I don't know why they insisted on drawing a, a coffin that was shaped exactly like Scooby, like narrow at the waist, the the, the haunches, everything's defined so it wait, looks like a dog wait. made of wood. No, it did not look like Scooby. Well, it looked it, like a demented it did look like a creature. Coffin. It was. It looked like a monster. It did not look like Scooby. Yeah, no, a dog. Scooby wouldn't have fit in there, but it was just, it was made to look like it was for Scooby, even if it looks terrible. But no dog or animal coffin looks like that. Yeah. I love how they're like, oh, a dog coffin. It's like, really? That's what you thought when you saw that? I was like, what? That looked like a really terrible woodshop project. That's all I got, guys. <laughs> So there's like four whole episodes that were referenced in Frank and Creepy. Oh no, what was the name of the second one? The Ghost Pirate one. What is... I've already forgotten the title. It's not as memorable as What a Night for a Fright. Ghost of Redbeard Go Away Ship. So what I remember from Redbeard is that they visit this guy named... He's a shipping magnet. They go to his house at night to ask him some questions and... They're turned away by the really creepy butler guy. Um, yes. But they end up going in and talking to him anyway. And he starts talking about how this ship is, this this ghost pirate ship with Redbeard on it is coming out of nowhere. And he's been like making other ships vanish. So they go out for clue hunting out on the on the waters. And I thought this one was a unique story in the sense that when they finally get to the pirate ship, or rather when they finally get out into the water and start looking... Velma and Daphne and Fred are kind of rendered useless. They don't get to do much. They're kind of stuck on a little boat for a little while. So they don't get a lot of like agency to make decisions and find stuff. It's Scooby and Shaggy trapped on the ghost pirate ship that find all the stuff and encounter the Redbeard and his um and his goons. Um, so I thought that was pretty unique for the story. Uh, but it turns out Redbeard is the shipping magnet that they talked to before. C.L. Magnus. That was the owner of the steamship line. Oh, right. Because Magnus, shipping magnate. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. Because they do that kind of naming stuff. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. 
I think us having trouble remembering much about this story goes to prove my kind of my point that this was the most boring of the collection that we watched. Oh boy! Like comparatively, yeah. not yeah. that it was boring to watch, but it was the least. It memorable wasn't memorable. Before. Yeah. It it doesn't grip you like the other ones. Although... It's also very silly. Like they're all silly. But that soup they made for the captain. <laughs> yes! I love the specific title. Ghost Pirate Stew. Ghost Pirate like, Stew. And what was in it? Do we remember? Cobwebs. Chains. There was ashes. More. Soap. Ashes. And soap. There's yep, bubbles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I half wonder, what, what was he expecting from them? Was he expecting, like, real stew? Because... I would have made them eat it, too. If I was like, you made me this, um, you, you eat it. <laughs> that I thought was really funny. We mentioned this the last time we discussed this, but I love the malt shop that they meet at um, yes. for at the very beginning. It's such a vibe. It really is. It's very like quintessentially Scooby-Doo. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it takes place in the 60s and 70s. They go to the malt shop and hang out. There's um, rock and roll playing in the background. It's got all the bright, fun colors. It's like quintessential Scooby-Doo, like I said. Yep. And the malt shop, not that specific one, but malt shops make further appearances throughout the series all the way up until, like, you know, the modern era. Yeah. So, like, it's definitely a fixture of Scooby-Doo. And, like, even in the modern era, they kind of replaced it with, like, a burger shop, which is pretty darn close to a malt shop. Yeah. And they've been to malt shops in some of the more recent... Not, like, super, super recent, but they, like, alternate between, like, the malt shop, the burger shop. Um, I think they go to an ice cream parlor a couple of times. Yeah. But they definitely have, like, the hangout spot. They do, like, an old-style diner every once in a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of with the ice cream parlor, because they're kind of designed oh, the same mm-hmm. way. With the yeah. checkered floors and the red booths and stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, I love the malt shop. It's very, it's very them. It's very the gang. It's a place for them to hang out. Yeah. It makes sense. Did you guys notice what time? So they heard about the the pirate ghost going around. Did you notice what time they went to check in on CL Magnus and visit him? I know it was late and it was night. It was 11 p.m. What? What were they expecting? And they were turned away and they acted like it was like weird that they were turned away at 11 p.m. I wouldn't have opened the door. Uh-huh. I'd been like, sorry, you're not coming in. I'm going to bed. If a bunch of teenagers and a dog came to my door, I'd be like... At 11 p.m. What What are they doing? In a, like, in a building. Like, it's not that they knocked on his front door. They went all the way up them steps, knock on his, like, suite or apartment door or whatever. Like, that's yeah, even weirder. Know. Yeah. You know you're specifically being sought out if they come all that way to see you. Yes. Top floor. And if I remember the shot from the outside, it was at least six stories. And they I don't know if they had elevators in buildings like that at the time. I don't know if those were like a regular feature. It just made me very much aware of the fact that like, I've been watching this show my whole life, it feels like, and I never realized how often their adventures are like in the middle of the night. Yeah. You are young people, aren't you? (laughs) Why, from a production point of view, why do you think they tend to do everything at night? Would it be the vibe? You know what I mean? Like the color palette and giving it that spookier feel. I always thought yeah. it was the color palette. Because if, yeah. if you notice, a lot of Scooby-Doo episodes have the same like six colors to them, which is fine. It looks great that way. It looks very cohesive mm-hmm. overall. 
but the blues, purples, grays, and browns, the sometimes dark, greens. Like the greens. Yeah. yeah. And I think <laughs> at night, they don't have to worry about the, well, not they would have to worry about it anyway, but the lighting doesn't change. When yeah. it's night, it's night. And you can have fog and you can have better shadows. And with shadows means you don't have to like have as much detail in the backgrounds because they hand painted those. Mm-hmm. So it was just, I think it was easier on the production team overall to keep things at night. And it just adds the bonus of this is spooky. <laughs> and insane. I would have been dragon. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine going all night. Mm-mm. Like solving a mystery, running around from people in costumes, talking to a dog. Like I'd be tired after the first two hours. Honestly, that's why that's why Scooby talks. It's not because it's real. It's because they're hallucinating from staying up all night <laughs> every <deprivation>. night. <laughs> this is the headcanon I'm here for. <laughs> that's literally what it is. The show is all a lie. It's just the hallucinations of these sleep deprived teenagers. Have you heard the other theory about like why the series happens at all? I'm scared. So it's in the 60s, right? They're all on drugs. The theory is that this takes place in Canada and that Shaggy and Freddy are um, dodging the draft for the Vietnam War and that they run away with like like Velma and Shaggy. And also like it's the 60s, 70s, so drugs and that's why scooby can talk to them because they're all high driving around canada dodging the draft (laughs) that's why there's silly men in costumes everywhere too but don't they specific not that i not that we need to go stay on this trail forever but like don't they specifically reference the united states like i think they do series yeah i think so i don't know i thought that was a really funny if like tragic theory (laughs) If they're high on drugs, maybe they just call things states and they don't know. <laughs> That's they don't true. know where they are. <laughs> Throw up in Manitoba like, this is New York City. Like, <laughs> <laughs> This is taking such a turn and I love it. <laughs> oh, okay. So this is random. It's not random. It, it's in the episode. But, okay, the whole thing. C.L. Magnus claims that Redbeard's ghost is coming back for revenge, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I just love it because it's a twist of fate because Magnus, obviously, is playing Redbeard. And ultimately, when he gets caught, he comes back for revenge against the Scooby gang in the Frank and Creepy movie. Yeah. Oh, I did not make that connection Wild. in my head. That's really funny. I was like, that's so fascinating. Like the whole, he's coming for revenge. And then Magnus is like, I'm coming for revenge. <laughs> I just thought that was so cool. You make that you make that uh, connection that you point that out. That that makes it even funnier than when um, it's crawls or creeps. One of the lawyers. So in oh, the, the previous story that we talked about, the, the two ghosts were two lawyers who were trying to get a hold of the, the colonel's money. And only one of them came back in Frank and Creepy for revenge. But he came back. When we first see him, he is posing as a as a lawyer. Well, he is a lawyer. Or he was one. But he's posing as a lawyer but without a disguise. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Like, he's just have a pair of glasses. Like, and when you look at the episode that they reference <laughs> in Frank and Creepy, when they pull up the clip of them being unmasked in the green costumes, he just looks like that. 
Yeah, it like looks it wasn't really like a him. disguise at all. He's only disguised mm-hmm. when they get to Transylvania, Pennsylvania. Like he didn't even huh. try, and the Scooby Gang did not pick him out. It's it's the glasses swooped hair thing that like Superman, Superman. does. Yeah, it's the <laughs> Superman complex. Hilarious. I just thought of that because you made that connection with Magnus. That's that's really funny. Did y'all... I, I just have stuff written down. I'm just going through this list. Is that cool? Because there's <laughs> another funny us. thing. <laughs> the fact that Shaggy and Scooby are... I don't think it's even a boat. I think they're like in a bucket in the sea or something. And they're trying to get to follow the pirate ship. Mm-hmm. And Scooby sees a shark fin and is like... <gasps> You know, he's freaking out because he thinks it's a shark and he picks it up and there's no shark attached. It's just a fin following them. And he puts it down and is like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) What? Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but in this story, were they not also lost in a fog? Yes. And they eat it. Yeah. The pea soup. He cuts a, he uses little claw to cut a hole out of the fog and then eat it. Like lots of silliness in this one. More so than the last one. Mm-hmm. Or I shouldn't say more so than the last one, but there's 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 more little moments of silly sprinkled in. Yeah. Oh, man. What else stuck out to you guys? Or not? I, I, I mean... just have notes, <laughs> and I felt bad for talking and talking, but... Well, no, I didn't have really many notes about this story, because like I said, it wasn't as... It wasn't as entertaining as the other ones that we watched, so I think this was at the bottom of the list for me. Um, I still enjoyed it, but mm-hmm. nothing really else stood out to me all right i'll just end with my two sillies two last sillies one once again they defy logic and physics when they shot the plunger bow and arrows onto the man's (laughs) bottoms and then shot the other end at the ceiling and somehow that momentum pulled them up towards the ceiling (laughs) even though we all know that never would have happened in real life (laughs) yep And then my favorite is the pirate's demise, where he gets a jackhammer in his pants. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, like, could you imagine being a physicist in the Scooby-Doo universe? Like, they're tearing their hair out trying to figure out how anything works because of stuff like this. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Okay. Anyway, there we go. It- I'm I'm good. I just had to get that out of my system because I was like... Like we were saying, there's lots of little sillies. And then those are bigger sillies, but there was a lot of sillies in it. <laughs> Mamba Wamba and the Voodoo Hoodoo. <laughs> uh, this, these titles... <laughs> the sillier me. the title, the better the episode. So I'll do the summary if you want. Do it. So in this story, the gang go to see some of their friends who have formed a band and they go to see them in concert. And after this, uh, they end up going with the band down to this abandoned plantation home down south. And it's here that the band members are slowly kidnapped and supposedly turned to voodoo dolls. Or not maybe not turned to voodoo, but have voodoo dolls made of them, but being kidnapped uh-huh. by this, this voodoo, this demon voodoo shaman monster. who's been hypnotizing them. Yeah, what what is he? Anyway, oh, he's there's a, a lot doctor. of stuff going on in this one, but basically they're <laughs> taken, 
or they're, they're they're being targeted by this the shaman um and they're finding voodoo dolls all over the, voodoo dolls all over the place um this one has a really good atmosphere yeah. when they get to the plantation home it's some of the some of the cooler artwork that we get to see in there um the room they step into initially has all these pieces of furniture that are covered in like sheets and stuff and i know that's yeah. not like necessarily like a groundbreaking imagery but it looks really cool. I just feel bad for Daphne in this episode. Because um, her... I don't know what... The animators, I think, did Daphne last. And they're like, we're tired. We quit. If she looks horrific, it's fine. <laughs> like, it's one thing to pause the episode and be like, oh, oh, poor Daphne. Her eye is kind of lazy there. But, like, as you're watching, you can see the animation failing her. Like... <laughs> They're like, they don't even try. It's so it's, noticeable. And Daphne always horrible. gets the short end of the stick. Yeah. I kind of noticed it in general. But like this episode in particular, I don't know if it was a late night or what, but those animators did not give a rip about her face at all. Mm-mm. They're like... it's Which is funny considering that Daphne gets a little bit of agency in this story. Like when they split off with the band members to search the house... I forget specifically what happened, but Daphne makes the discovery all on her own. She faces the zombie and the witch doctor, and she actually, like, she's like, you want a piece of this? Like, she tries to kung fu fight them. She's, she fights them off a little bit. Or tries to. <laughs> she, or tries to. I don't know. I just like the <laughs> the fact that she got to try to do that. Like, the story, the writers and the animators let her do that. Because yeah. usually she's a bit cardboard. Which is, yeah, I love Daphne, is. but she is a bit cardboard sometimes. So anytime she gets to do something on her own like that, I'm really happy for her. It seems like, especially in the older series, like she doesn't have a whole lot of personality shine through. And it, so it's, it is fun to see her break out and do silly things like that. Yeah. I mean, she gets to do that in Frank and Creepy too, where, uh, especially in the, in the altercation uh, with her and Freddy against the the villain like she gets to to do things and she actually ends up saving fred's life in that so another great callback in that is that daphne gets to do things if you just let her do things like god bless daphne and so i i know jesse i know this is your favorite out of the four so oh wait or is it no it's the first one this one's my second favorite but not for the reasons that the other one is my first favorite I like A Night of Fright is No Delight because I think it's a really well done story. It looks really good. It's the right amount of funny and wacky to the creepy atmosphere. Like, that's really good. This one is my favorite, or rather second favorite, because it's so dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Let's Let's just remember that the song they do that supposedly <laughs> summons the voodoo shaman or brings the curse upon them is the like most like rhythmless white thing I have ever heard. <laughs> it sounds terrible. I can't believe that they did that and was like, yeah, this sounds like something a popular band would do. And they're all acting like it's amazing when anyone listening to it would go, huh? Also, like, like they're acting like it's some thing that they, like, derived from a tribal thing. Otherwise, it wouldn't have summoned a voodoo. 
but like it's so white it's and by white we don't mean that being white inherently is a terrible thing but you know sometimes white people will try to do something that originates from an ethnicity that's not white and it's just and you're like stop it's it's tacky don't yeah (laughs) it's tacky terrible and the whole premise of this the whole reason that um what's her face Lila. Lila. That Lila and the manager go out and concoct this crazy scheme is because they want the rights to this million dollar song. That's <laughs> Which, it's, like, it's like a ten dollar song at best. Uh I, I wouldn't give fifty cents to this. Like <laughs> I was like, they were expecting this to be a big hit. Like, if you're banking on this <laughs> and you're going out of your way to do to get this song, I'm sorry. You shouldn't be managing people. You shouldn't be. <laughs> like, yeah, you're get right. Out of the music. I didn't even think about that the first time around that we talked about this. I didn't even think about the fact that the song is meant to be this smash hit when all it really do is going to smash the bottom of the barrel. That is going to get tossed into by the public. Yeah. Like, I know the 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 music industry in the 60s and 70s was a different time, but they still made good music. They still had taste. <laughs> this would not have made it onto public radio no, for very long. I just, like, that. that's the whole episode is, we have to have this song. And it's like, you want that song? You want that song? <laughs> it's so, it's so ridiculous. Um, for animation stuff, I mean, again, Daphne gets thrown on this stick. Poor Daphne. But I gotta say, some of the artistic choices are really cool. The voodoo dolls themselves, as they discover them, look like characters from Charlie Brown. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, they do. I didn't think and I that. thought that was really cute. That I don't know if that was intentional or if that was just like a, a coincidence kind of thing. But when I first saw them, I was like, oh, that looks like characters who would have been on Charlie Brown. They had to make all those. Yep. What did they do? Did they hire someone? Did they get someone to crochet them little voodoo dolls? Like, what? That's a lot of work. Did they have ones of the gang as a backup? Like, like that's that's a lot of money too. Like everything they did had to have cost money. The costuming. They had to pay the people to be there with them, like the manager and Lila, and then the goons were people who had to have been paid. Yeah. The the dolls would have been made by somebody. And like oh. yarn's not cheap either. So even back in the sixties, that would have cost them a pretty penny. So for a ten cent song at best, they spent all this time and money. They spent like a thousand dollars in today's money just for for all of this at a minimum. Because someone doesn't know music. Yeah. yeah. Like, how could you become a music manager and not know that the song is terrible? Well, we want to blame them. The writers wrote this plot. And it makes no sense. <laughs> I bet you the writers originally like, okay, we'll get someone to make this really great song. But it's the night before. It's midnight. And they're like, you know what? We're going to give Daphne a terrible face and um, Bob in the corner. Just record us a quick little chant. You're fine. <laughs> they slap a face on Daphne. It doesn't matter if it's good. And then slap a song on the on the episode and let's call it a day. That's probably exactly what happened, too. 
Oh, you know how many times they probably had to, like, call it a day just making the original Scooby-Doo because they had no money. Yep. Hanna-Barbera was not a studio that was making money. Oh, no, they weren't. They were literally doing it for fun. Obviously, they were making money, but they weren't an expensive studio. They weren't They weren't Disney. Even Disney was doing pretty okay at this time. Yeah. You know? So, at the end of the day, I'm sure they had to just call it and say, all right, this is fine. Slap a face on Daphne and call it. It's probably what happened all the time. (laughs) I think that's how they made money eventually was because they took shortcuts and, you know, they were economic with their animation choices and it Mm -hmm. paid off in the end. (laughs) Yeah, you can tell. It's part of the charm now. Um, There's a whole blog on Tumblr dedicated to classic Scooby-Doo smear frames. (laughs) So when you pause the episode in a smear frame, and and there are so many because you put a you throw a smear frame in the storyboard and it gives the illusion of movement right like quick movement but really it's just three frames of this blobulous scooby moving from left to right and he looks ridiculous if you pause it at the right time (laughs) i love it i love that someone took the time to do that yes that's great everyone needs a hobby and we like this one that someone else did (laughs) speaking of things i like in this episode i love the frog i'm so glad he stuck around and I want him to become a regular. Frog. Yes, it is. This yes. is the one with the frog. Because they're like in a bog type thing. Bog or a swamp or something. Oh, yeah, because they're down in New Orleans. Yep. Or the Louisiana. He steals the, the, the um, contract. And he's running around with it. With Scooby and Shaggy. And it's great. See, and I've made this opposition before. But if they had decided to keep the frog for the rest of the Scooby-Doo series, for the rest of the franchise, I think it would have been a lovely addition. Because he doesn't have to talk. He's got all the personality that he needs in action. Yeah. Oh, so when they were doing the chase... Okay, the whole thing is a chase scene. But um, there's this bit where they're running through the grass. And it's like this wide angle. So you see everybody. And um, I, I kept watching this guy. And you could see it like... I don't know how to describe this because I, I don't do animation, but you could literally see it like a GIF. You know how you know when a GIF starts because it like glitches and goes back to the beginning? Yeah. Yeah. It, it was like the blue sky was a GIF as they were running through the grass. And I was like, I see it click to the beginning. <laughs> it's, it's basically because it was almost on, it was on a reel. Right. what's happening. It's on a reel that's spinning. I just, so... They couldn't have made the beginning and end a little more similar because it was a big jolt. If I'm, like, hazarding a guess from what I do know about how they did those kind of sequences, is they painted it from left to right and then wrapped it around a spool, basically. So if the person wasn't thinking about where the beginning and end would meet, then yeah, it looks like it's just a hard line cutting itself off. (laughs) That's exactly what it looked like. And that happens a lot Mm -hmm. in Scooby-Doo. Also, when you can see, like, dust particles that move with certain characters because the the animation frame that they're on that's separate from the other characters or or parts of scenery like it has its own little like little little, little white specks right you've seen it you may not have known it yeah, but like I, say yes. shaggy is running away and he leaves the frame some of those particles follow him because it's on his it's on his lair <laughs> oh my goodness it's just it's charming little stuff like that that just makes you appreciate where we started with an animation and how far we've come it's, it's part of the charm absolutely guys i would just like to say 
that at the end of this episode, the trap actually worked for once. Yes! Yep. It was a once-in-a-lifetime thing for Fred. <laughs> yeah. Also, the trap was made out of materials that I could easily believe were found around the property. Mm-hmm. You know how sometimes they'll make a trap and they use some stuff from the setting, but there's other stuff you're like, where did you get that? Like, Fred, do you just have like a suitcase hidden in your back pocket full of random stuff for traps? Probably. Yeah. I mean, probably. <laughs> That just makes me think of um, the van in Franken Creepy because every time they need something, Fred's like, oh, oh, we could use this for a trap. I'll go get it. It's in the back of the van. And no, the van exploded. War flashbacks. It's gone. <laughs> I just, I was so impressed. I'm like, you go, Freddy. Your trap worked for once. Oh, I had an observation that I wanted to make, but one of the most popular Scooby-Doo movies, at least from like the the 90s anyway is scooby-doo zombie island it's very notable for several reasons but while watching mamba wamba um and i make this observation knowing that a lot of louisiana looks like this but it did strike me that the zombie island seems to take a lot of artistic inspiration from mamba wamba i know that that can be kind of like a, a coincidence just because of the setting it's just a plantation in louisiana but I don't know, the inside of the house, the the scenes that take place in the bog, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of it just seems to to foreshadow what they eventually decide to do with Zombie Island. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that was intentional with Zombie Island or not, but I could see it being an intentional choice for them. I could see them being like, hey, what if we took this episode and made it bigger and better almost, you know? Yeah. yeah. And also made where the monster is real. <gasps> yeah. Like the one of the very few times where that's a thing in Scooby Doo, like. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know that. I think that speaks volumes about how the artistic direction of Mamba Wamba was really well done. Like we can make fun of the plot and some of the animation errors that are present <laughs> in every episode, but really overall, Mamba Wamba looks really good. It does. Yeah, Night for Fright also looks really good. Just that they had really good direction on that. It looks good and it's also, it's enjoyable. Like it, mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes the pirate one felt a little slow at times and this one was just like, yeah, this is great. Love this. <laughs> well, it's because stuff kept happening. Yeah. Like they never gave your brain a break because if they did, it the whole episode would fall apart. Um, so things just kept happening. <laughs> Pretty sure the writers know that if you stop for just a second, everyone's gonna be like, hey, wait a minute about their plot lines. And so they just have to keep throwing stuff at you until the episode's <laughs> over. <laughs> and then you can say, hey, wait a minute after it's over and done and you've had time to process. Oh, and hey, they just need the viewers. That's all they need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the plots, it's all the same plot every time. Yeah, Scooby-Doo from, like, the beginning is kind of like a Mad Libs, but, like, they've got a dartboard with random words and characters on it. And they're just like, I, we need an adjective. Throws a dart. And there you have it. And they're just spilling it out. Literally, what if they had that in the office? What if that <laughs> is how they came up with half of these plots? It wouldn't surprise me, not no. only because I think it's funny, but because a lot of writers' rooms just do that stuff. They're like, all right, mm-hmm. throw me some ideas. And they just like, they compose, they call it, they used to call them Bibles. I think they still have them. But they made like a series Bible for stuff. I don't know if that's like for more serious stuff or for cartoons, but writers' rooms would be throwing everything around, and people are making notes, and then they're they're figuring out what sticks. Mm-hmm. 
it was very very haphazard it was a brainstorming session where anything anything went that sounds so fun <laughs> so i don't know if scooby-doo had it but i imagine they probably did probably i'm i'm banking on they had a mad lib book and yeah that that's yeah. basically what writers rooms are is just a bunch of mad libs <laughs> that's great i love professional mad libs <laughs> What is the greatest tool in your career? Oh, I have a book of Mad Libs I use for writing my episodes. <laughs> Are y'all ready for the creepy case of Old Iron Face? Yes. Yeah. All right. Jesse, you've been summarizing all of them up until this point. You might as well keep going. Unless you want me to. <laughs> no, I'll, I can do it. Um, you may have to correct me if I get a detail wrong. So the the case of Old Iron Face, there is a prison on an island that looks like a skull. And there's this ghost story that one of the prisoners, it goes that he was so ugly they like welded an iron mask to his face, right? It wasn't that he was ugly. It was like he was so mean or something. No, I like think it was that he was so deformed. The prison guard hated him so much that he... I'm pulling this episode up. Oh, that... Like the prison guard hated him so much they welded an iron mask to his face so he wouldn't have to look at him. Yeah, something like that. that where it was like... Right. Yeah. I feel bad not it, knowing the proper story. It Like, I just remember... I just remember it's something like that because it was so dark. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because we made the observation, like, we all were in agreement that, like, this is probably one of the more, like, sinister origins for a ghost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah, there was Redbeard the pirate, and then there's, like, the creepy ghouls that, like, haunt the manor in Night for a Fright, and there's the voodoo shaman. But this one is uh, a guy goes to prison, gets a metal mask welded to his face, and then he dies. Like, that's really bleak. And this is still early Scooby-Doo. Like, this isn't Zombie Island. I can't. The, the wiki is not helping me. <laughs> but Well, essentially, Old Iron Face is what he comes to be known. Um, comes back to haunt that same prison. And <laughs> he's seen, iconically, riding sharks around the waters that surround this island. <laughs> now, I don't remember why the gang went to the island. I think there was some kind it's of tour. It's because they were supposed to meet their tour guide and the tour guide never showed up for dinner to meet them. Right. And so they figured what better place to look for their tour guide than Skull Island where they were supposed to get a tour. Yeah, yeah. true, true, true. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is the same episode where um, there's a sequence of them being in the boat going out to Skull Island. And nobody's looking at the the ocean. They're all looking down at something while Fred's driving. So Fred's driving without looking where he's going. And the sky is moving noticed. the wrong way in a couple of sequences. <laughs> like it flips from a side, like a profile view of them going from, you know, left to right on the screen, as you would expect, and the sky is going the right direction. And then it flips to a to a face-on view of Fred. And the sky is still moving the same way, <laughs> but it wouldn't be because, or like it should be because they changed angles. So it just looks weird. And it threw me when I saw it. <laughs> if it's not in this one, it was a night for a fright, but I'm pretty sure it was in this one. I think so. Oh my but goodness. But that's another animation thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, did we ever finish our summary? What? No. No, because I... Um, <laughs> you trailed. 
I trailed. I'm sorry. <laughs> so old Iron Face, he comes back to haunt the prison. The gang goes there because they can't find their tour guide. Um, and then Iron Face terrorizes them while they're at the prison. Uh, actually, that was pretty much it for my summary. And lo and behold, who is old Iron Face? So this is this is fun because I feel like this is unique for old Scooby Doo. Old Iron Face, this big buff ghost with an iron face who rides sharks around, is a woman. And not only that, it's not revealed that she's this little tiny woman. She is a muscular woman who's tough. Like, you don't really see that very much as Scooby-Doo. The women are like witches and, and, and ghouls and stuff, and the men are the big monsters and, and such. But no, they let a, a muscular woman play this male tough guy ghost which i thought was super cool and it was very unexpected like it was a mm-hmm. twist that i didn't see coming mama Mion, yes mama Mion. yep mm-hmm. i gotta say with that twist in mind and how much i really enjoy it i was disappointed with frank and creepy's use of mama Mion. yes because they just put her in a dress and made her as skinny as all the other ladies in it yep and it did not look like her. Mm-mm. No, it didn't. And you gotta think, all of them are coming from prison, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Romeo absolutely would have been lifting weights in the yard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh, yes. Because that's what she looked like before she went to prison. She'd be so ticked off and bent on her vents that she'd be working out just to manage her anger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, it yeah. would have made more sense if Lila had been dressed up as the lady who was running the the castle and frank and creepy mm-hmm. and mom Mion was just the monster because yeah. the monster's this giant thing that i think would have suited her personality and her revenge need better mm-hmm. like i think she was yeah. used not not underused because they all got to be used pretty well in the movie but i think she was used not to her greatest potential that or they just needed to actually make it look like her body like there's no physical way she could have like she yeah, literally and like this shrunk. is based on Eastern European like culture. Like it's an amalgamation of it. Obviously, it's not a specific country, but it's based on that. And like, there's some big ladies mm-hmm. in Eastern Europe. Like that's a stereotype that we already have. Yep. Like yeah. like muscular ladies who work on the farm and work hard to keep things running. Like that's not an alien concept. So they made her this little tiny petite lady that doesn't make any sense. And takes away from the fact that she's a really cool, unique character from the original series. Yeah. Yeah, she is. So, that's my that's my two cents. Rant over. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love the character she plays, but it definitely was not utilized well. That's for right. sure. <laughs> Something I noticed was, one, Shaggy and Scooby are very good at skiing. Yeah. Um, yes. Have y'all water skied before? Cause, no. Like, no. I can get up, but that's about it. Like, <laughs> staying up is the struggle. Well, um, he flew a washing machine. I'm pretty sure skiing is probably nothing compared to that. Okay, it's valid. Yeah. <laughs> and also, when the sharks do show up, Freddy exclaims from the boat, a school of man-eating sharks. Like, who says that? Who says a school... Of man-eating sharks. I'd be like, oh no, sharks. But no. Yeah. Listen, this is the same man who says treasure. (laughs) (laughs) He does? Yeah. Yeah, he does. There's a compilation online of 
a bunch of times where he says treasure. And he says it's so weird. Treasure. Buried treasure. We found the treasure. I am going to look this up and put the audio in the episode here. And they're carrying treasures from the pyramid. Before the treasures are smuggled out of the country. The stolen treasures. It's so funny. But yeah, Fred says all kinds of weird stuff. Oh, it yeah. actually had just occurred to me. Fred says a lot of weird stuff in the series. Oh, yeah. If Fred's like quotes are just so out of pocket. And you don't notice them because he's not as he's not like Shaggy and Scooby where there's there's so much going on with them or Velma where the snark is like devastating. Fred and Daphne get some really good one liners, but they don't go as they're not as recognized. Yeah, I don't think I ever would have thought to like focus on what he says I just want to point out the fact that they waited. They were supposed to meet Captain Morgan, the tour guide, for supper, right? Okay, supper, Mm -hmm. you know, usually like six o'clock, right? They waited for him for two hours, (laughs) over two hours. They say that several times, like... It's been two hours. I wonder where he is. Wow, we were, he was supposed to meet us here for supper two hours ago. Like, who waits two hours? Yeah. Who, like, who does that? I get waiting an hour maximum because you're really just trying to give them enough time to get to you because, you know, stuff can happen. Yeah, especially, like, this was pre-Wi-Fi and all that stuff. Like, Well, even... Even in, like, the 70s where you couldn't just, like, text somebody, like, hey, I broke down, or hey, I forgot something had to turn back. You could still call the place that you were going to meet them at and say, hey, can you let my table know that I'm going to be late because of this? Like, that was a thing that they did. So, the fact that they didn't hear anything at all, super suspicious. After the first hour, I would have gone out Mm -hmm. and start looking. Yep. I don't know if they just were hanging out and having such a good time. Just forgot. (laughs) <laughs> but, like, Shaggy and Scooby hadn't eaten yet. And we all yeah. know. <laughs> they would have been the first people to get up and say, we can't eat until he gets here, so let's go find him and bring him back here. Yeah. I'm just like, who does that? I just don't understand the logic. Maybe there is no logic. <laughs> there is no logic. Yeah. What else stuck out to you guys? I just have that the origin story was really creepy because I was. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, um, I... I like the Skull Island concept, mainly because up until now, the settings that we're looking at, pirate ship, manor on an island, um, plantation home, like they're all pretty rational locations. Like the paintings are gorgeous. It looks like something that you would see out of like a group of paintings, maybe hung on someone's house. You know what I mean? The pirate ship, all that stuff. Skull Island is so on the nose. (laughs) Like, it straight up looks like a skull. Which, you know, it's called Skull Island. But it's not even like the impression of a skull. Like, there's there's a... I forget where it is. There's a place called Elephant Rock. Mm Because it kind of looks like an elephant dipping its trunk into the ocean. And it's a cliff. Mm -hmm. And you're like, okay, that looks looks like an elephant. I can see it. But it also looks like a, a cliff. This just looks like a skull, just straight up. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't look like a, like a skull that was worn into the side of an island. <laughs> it's cartoonish in a way that the other settings weren't. Yeah, it looks like someone specifically carved this mountain to look like a skull. Like, right. all of it was so intentional. Like, it, it wasn't a mistake. Mount Rushmore would make a goth. 
Yeah. Speaking of Skull Island, okay. <laughs> um, sorry, the audience members can't hear my arms wa- waving they as were I'm very, like, very oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Like, here's here's. <clears throat> I wrote in my notes. Okay. Because, you know, underneath Skull Island, we find out in the end that there's this whole secret layer where it's like a kitchen and a, and a place for these prisoners to sleep and stay in the midst of all the smuggling, right? Yeah. And my question is, at some point, they would have had to bring a construction team to build the mansion and the kitchen and everything underneath the prison. When and how did they do that? Like, nobody noticed? An entire construction team probably had to be there and nobody noticed? <laughs> Seems logical. <laughs> like, is it ever stated that it was just the prisoners who did that? Or is it possible that there was like a corrupt ring of um, staff and prisoners who put that together for smuggling? Right. But still... There had to be people and tools. Like, that was a major renovation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, That's not right. going to be some guys in hammers. Like. Yeah, one hammer. <laughs> <laughs> They're taking turns. Like. I mean, y'all know I'm married to a, const- a building man. Like. Yeah. <laughs> you don't do that stuff with some house tools. With one hammer. Like, <laughs> a singular hammer. <laughs> it's a really big one. I just, I mean, I know it's not, it's not life-changing information. I just want to know how they pulled it off. I just want to know. Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's crazy now that you mention it. I didn't really pay attention to that part so much because it looks so cool in there. It does. Like, the artwork is amazing and the layout of the mansion smuggling layer is really cool. And it looks state-of-the-art. Yeah. I don't know when the smuggling was meant to have taken place, but it looks fairly modern as of the episode's, like, date. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm like, this is a nice new renovation. What if Mama Mion was just... Whacking away at the stone. <laughs> with her giant hammer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's Mama Mion did all of that single-handedly. <laughs> I buy she's it. such a beast. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yep. It resolved. It was. It was, was all her and her buffness. Capital B. <laughs> she is the construction crew. Exactly. <laughs> you know what? I can almost believe it because yeah. when Shaggy and Scooby are running through the prison, locking doors behind them, she doesn't unlock the doors. She, she literally breaks them down. <laughs> she smashes through like three or four of them. It. It's so ridiculous, because you think about, here's how the Scooby-Doo logic works out. While the villain is in the costume, they have, <laughs> like, all of the abilities and strength of the person they're pretending to play. So, like, the mm-hmm. monster, or the ghost, or whatever. And as soon as the mask comes off, they're just this pathetic little person. You know what I mean? Like, that's how, yeah, and, like, I... they, like we just watched um, that WrestleMania movie where the villain was a guy dressed up as a bear. And... Granted, he's a strong guy, but the bear acted like a bear the whole time. <laughs> but with Mama Mion, I can believe 100% that she wasn't just wearing the mask and that gave her the magical Scooby-Doo plot powers of being strong. Like, no, Mama Mion is just is that strong. Yeah, Mama Mion is just, she is built. 
She's a beast. She is, she a, is beast. a beast. Like <laughs> it defies like the defying logic. Did you kind of see what I mean? Oh yeah. Like there's yeah. no magic involved. <laughs> no. Well, the whole the whole, the costume thing has always bothered me because you always have these really creepy monsters or ghosts or whatever, and then you find out, oh, it was wires. Oh, it was this really rinky dink person. <gasps> oh, it was this, and like the. I think um, Be Cool Scooby-Doo kind of made fun of that a little bit mm-hmm. because, yeah. I mean, they make fun of everything, but <laughs> there's this episode where Shaggy, uh, spoilers if you're going to watch this one, Shaggy's grandma turns out there's this like baboon attacking a nursing home mm-hmm. and it was Shaggy's oh grandma in the costume the whole time, but she's running around, jumping, climbing, hooting and hollering like a full-blown gorilla and it's his grandma in a nursing home. <laughs> I feel like that's the perfect example of what you're talking about, Jesse. Well, well since this is uh, we're doing this because of Frank and Creepy, I think Frank and Creepy subverted that pretty well, too. Like, they oh, yeah? randomly mention the... Well, spoilers. They randomly mention the exoskeleton robot thing at the beginning as, like, a, a weird off-mention of Velma's uh, interests. And then later, the monster is one of those robot suits being controlled by, you know, one of four people at a time. And like, okay, well, that explains why it can, like, climb and break things and do stuff. Because it's a huge robot mech suit. Mm-hmm. So the suspense of disbelief still works out. Because no matter what the size of the person in it is, they're using a robotic suit to do all of that stuff. So it's not the rinky-dink grandma in a gorilla suit. <laughs> so much defying of gravity and reality. It's great. Did you guys have any other thoughts on this one? No, I think we've talked about everything I could think about. Yeah. Um, we haven't rated the episodes, though. All right. We're going to start with A Night of Fright is No Delight. Enjoyment. Um, I would give that four out of five Scooby Snacks. It was good. Maybe 3.5. Like, it, I don't know. I didn't love it, love it. Even though I know it was good. Does that make sense? Okay, I'm going to be harsh and give it a 3.5 for my personal enjoyment while I do realize <laughs> it was well done. Spookiness for the cobwebs. Five out of five cobwebs. It was spooky. Yeah. How about you guys? I'd give it the same five out of five for cobwebs definitely the creepiest atmosphere of the four um probably the creepiest atmosphere of most scooby-doo episodes from that time um i'm sure there'll be exceptions to that yeah Uh, i would also give it like a 4.5 for enjoyment it is one of my favorite stories because i I just like how it's written i like how well done it is i like how the art direction is definitely gonna give it that um i definitely give it five out of five cobwebs that ghost (laughs) man that ghost (laughs) But yeah, I do about four and a half for entertainment. Wow, y'all are going high on the entertainment one. Wow, there you go. I said it was one of my oh. favorites, so. <laughs> it is, and it is out of Scooby Snacks, just so we're yes. yeah, out Scooby of Scooby Snacks. snacks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, Ghost of Redbeard. For me personally, um, enjoyment. Uh, watching it the second time through, there's all those funny little moments, but it's not like a coherent episode of enjoyment so i think i'd have to give it a so i'm just gonna go with my gut a 2.5 out of five scooby snacks for enjoyment maybe three 
Maybe I'll be nice and do a three. Three out of five Scooby Snacks. Um, no, 2.5. Go with your gut. <laughs> um, but, like, it really was, I feel like the environment itself was actually creepy. So I will give it a four out of five cobwebs because, like, the pirate ship's pretty cool. But the the characters themselves weren't actually scary. No. Okay. 3.5 cobwebs. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you went with your gut there because I was going to give it about two, two and a half for enjoyment. It seemed to get stuck every so yes. often. Like like the the enjoyment of it would kind of plateau until they did something silly. I'll give it two, 2.5. The random little moments did add to it. As far as spookiness goes, this power ship was really good. I'll give it a three. Three cobwebs. I'm going to give it two out of five cobwebs. It was not spooky. It was The story itself was not at all. No, yeah. there was nothing really spooky about that story. And I got to give it two out of five Scooby Snacks. It was not a memorable story either. Wow. We we don't we hardly get any webs or snacks for that pirate <laughs> stew. Yeah, sorry, Red Beard. <laughs> sorry, my dude. Mamba Wamba and the Voodoo Hoodoo. I just love this. It's just a fun episode. Five out of five Scooby Snacks. Four point five out of five cobwebs. Because it wasn't like as terrifying as Night of Fright, but like there's definitely some spooky moments, I would say. I definitely agree with that. I think I would give it 4.5 cobwebs as well because, I mean, I talked up the location. It looked great. Atmosphere was great. I don't think they used it as well as they could have for the creepiness factor. I think they could have done even more with it, but I might just be prejudiced because of Zombie Island. Well, that's just all creepy factor. That is all the cobwebs. So. Yes, yeah, that's every cobweb. It exceeds five. <laughs> as far as enjoyment goes, I would probably give it, I would give it a four because as silly and fun as it was that song man that song's not worth anything <laughs> that's it took what it down made a whole it scooby so snack. like the, you you can't expect me to believe that song would make any kind of money and that's what the whole plot hinges on so can't I gotta, do it. did someone make this a thing like did someone like remix this on youtube i'm gonna find out gabby give us your ratings <laughs> Um, I'm also going to give it a four out of five for enjoyment because it was wild and crazy. And the voodoo monster was very well done. Like, he looked creepy. Yes. The zombie? Yes. I love the zombie. (laughs) What do you get for creepiness? How many cobwebs? Three and a half out of five. It wasn't very creepy for me. Well, I think we're more so judging it on its uh, spookiness than creepiness because what Scooby-Doo is actually genuinely creepy. Like, genuinely. Zombie Island. Well, that's... I'm talking about from this era, though. (laughs) The the Where Are You era doesn't have too many genuinely creepy moments. No, you're right. You're right. They're few and far between. So it's more of a spooky level. I still didn't find it very spooky. That's valid. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, the creepy case of old Iron Face do enjoy it i would give it 4.5 scooby snacks and uh, creepiness overall i I, it's not actually that scary but like i love the prison setting i love the mask story so i'm gonna give it a four out of five cobwebs because like i can really appreciate the dark story and stuff like i feel like that was pretty spooky no I, i definitely agree with that i think actually now that we've watched it more than once I would probably give it a five now because of Mama Mione. Like, she really (laughs) makes this as the monster and as just as herself. She really 
elevates the whole story. Iron Face is a great villain or a great monster, ghost, whatever. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And like we said, like it's totally believable that Mama Yon is doing all of those stunts because she is a beast. Yeah. So that that makes it a five for me. Um, five what? Oh, five Scooby Snacks. Spookiness level, I'm going to make that like a two. Because like you said, it's not really a spooky episode. It's the backstory not. for Iron Face definitely is like dark and bleak. But mm-hmm. that's just the backstory. What we actually see in the store in the episode isn't creepy. Mm-hmm. Not not Can to I me revise? Anyway. Can I make mine a three? Jesse speaks logic. <laughs> <laughs> but that's uh, that's my judging. What about you guys? Um I'm gonna give it a Four out of five Scooby Snacks, just because. Actually, no, I'm gonna make it a five out of five. Yeah, it's Ooh. a five out of five. Like Excellent. that episode is wild. It yeah. is wild. It is wild. And creepiness, I'm gonna give it about two cobwebs. Yeah. Yeah, two. Yay! Dun 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 dun. I really enjoyed all of these. I did, even though I judged some harshly like compared to others it's always fun to watch old yeah. scooby-doo i just in the, i feel like they mean so much more to me personally now that i know that they all tie together and were referenced and used in frank and creepy it's just ugh, i love it well it's nice to see scooby-doo make use of its history like you'll get references to stuff here and there but frank and creepy really like takes the whole we have an entire franchise of material and says why don't we just build a brand new story using four other stories like that's really cool Mm -hmm. they have the ability to do that and we don't see that as much no we don't more more often than not i see them breaking from what they've written in the past and rewriting it Mm -hmm. which is fine too because if you can reinvent a good idea and make it even better i mean i think that's cool too it's a very versatile show Sometimes I find it annoying because they re like there are three or four or more versions of each of the characters' families. Like, yes. yeah, who's their real family? We don't know. I don't know. <laughs> According to all of the episodes altogether, Fred's got like three different parents, and like Daphne has like four families. See, it. I feel like it's better when they just say, "This is my cousin." Yeah. For everything. Or this <laughs> or like is my, my uncle. uncle. Yeah. Like, just keep doing that. Don't name your actual parents or siblings because that gets really confusing. But you can have a million cousins. Oh, Especially yeah. in Scooby-Doo. Like, Daphne's family is the most extensive just from the whole franchise. And they're all rich. And they're, they're all, all rich. rich. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's all I got, guys. That's all I Same. got. We'll have to pick yeah. something to talk about next time. I don't have the brain for it right now, but we'll have to figure out what we're doing next. Yes, I have some ideas. I'll run them by you. It's been real, y'all. Thanks for coming along. Jesse, Gabby, do you guys have any final words before we shut down, go to sleep, and say goodbye to the peoples? Nope, I want to shut down and go to sleep. <laughs> I really enjoyed this. This it, is fun. It, don't forget to take a brain break. Ever. Always do brain breaks. And drink water. Lots of water. Wear your seatbelt. <laughs> Thank you, parents of the <laughs> podcast. Jesse and Gabby, where would we be without you? <laughs> Dehydrated and in a car accident. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> All right. 
You can find us on the interwebs at ATA with Danny and Ray on Instagram, Facebook, and email. Send us your suggestions, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.